Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, sorry about that. Just had to straighten somebody out and something out. (sighs) All is well. Where's that smog? They say it's going to be smoky and uh, just like it was last week. doesn't seem that way. Excuse me right now. seems totally fine. Um, well, where do we begin? Hey, number one, don't ever be impressed with somebody who said they went to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Cornell, Brown, University of Pennsylvania, uh, whatever the, what are the other Ivy League colleges? Uh, Dartmouth, did I say Yale? All those Ivy Leaguers, nobody gives a damn. I've never actually had this, uh, but somebody just came up and sat down and did not stop talking about how they went to Yale. Yale Law School, uh, Yale Divinity School. I don't know why you go to Yale Law School and Divinity School, but a lot of time in grad school. A lot of people went to the Divinity School to avoid Vietnam service. That was a scam way back in the day. Uh, Ivy League, nobody cares except mainstream elite media. Status conscious, envious. They're all college educated, and when you go to college, you know, then you get an awareness of, okay, what are the good schools? What are the okay schools? What are the prestigious schools? What are the ultimate schools? And they have inflicted their hangups on uh, everything they do. And they don't actually talk about it that loud, but it's reflective. You can see it, actually, in our society. For instance, basically, <clears throat> one out of four presidents went to Harvard. Did you know that? If you look at it, one out of four presidents have a degree from Harvard University. Um, it's, it just so happens that the great presidents, for the most part, had nothing to do with the Ivy League. Um, Lincoln, I, I, he didn't go to college. He, he read the law, I think, at night. He, he got a job at a law firm. George Washington, he didn't go to college. Who else was there? Um, uh, Truman didn't go to college. He wasn't such a hotshot president. Ronald Reagan went to a college called Eureka College. That's actually a real school. It's in Illinois, <laughs> Eureka College. And Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, went to Southwest Texas State Teachers College. And Kennedy and his Ivy League friends never let him forget that. So the elites care about those things, and they will use it against you, and they're very mindful of who went where. Now, Trump figured this out. You know, Trump, it's very interesting, because his first school out of high school, out of the New York Military Academy, was uh, Fordham. He went to Fordham, which is like a commuter school. It's a regular commuter school. But he realized that I think he had a plan, and part of his plan was commanding massive attention on a global scale. And what would make that easier is having that credential. The University of Pennsylvania is an Ivy League school. but. It's, oh, why did I bring all this up? He's Harvard University. Here's a, here's an example of how this is so irrelevant. Um, Harvard or NASA Community College, it doesn't matter. Common sense matters. Did you hear what happened at the Harvard Medical School morgue? So they have all kinds of dead bodies, and it turns out that the guy who was running the morgue, uh, was selling them all over town. There are people who want body parts for various reasons. Some for their own medical research, some for their own 
certain kinky interests, uh, all kinds of things. And um, the guy who was in charge of the morgue had tattoos all over his face and spikes coming out of his head. Uh, you take one look at the guy and you realize he should not be hanging around dead bodies. He should not be hanging around pretty much anybody. Look, it's wrong to be prejudiced. You're not supposed to be prejudiced. Um, but there is one type of person you could always be prejudiced by, and you really should be, anyone with a face tattoo. All right? When they got the face tattoos, there's something really wrong, and just stay the hell away. All right? Face tattoos are a dead giveaway. Problem. Big problem. And you don't want the guy with the face tattoos and the spikes coming about out of his head. And not only that, he had his eyeball tattooed in charge of the Harvard University Medical School morgue. And that's what he was, some guy named Cedric. And allegedly he was selling body parts all out of all over town and keeping some in the basement. Uh, some people are really into this kind of stuff. Can you imagine that? Harvard University. Harvard. Harvard. Um, did you see my thing on psychological warfare the other night? Uh, I got the idea from Trump when he made that speech at Bedminster. He was so onto the something here, all right? You never think about it in these terms, but this is a real thing. Cut 19. Don't forget this persecution is being done by the same weaponized agencies that for seven years have been running illegal psychological warfare campaigns against the American people, much as if they were trying to destabilize a foreign country. Psychological warfare campaigns, much as though they're seeking to destabilize a foreign country, they're using those techniques, those uh, tactics on us, on all of us. They know them. They can easily apply them domestically. And remember, they've worked themselves up into a frenzy that somehow Trump is a domestic enemy, right? Protect the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Well, they work themselves up to think that Trump is somehow a threat to a domestic order. That's where this media overhype and toxification gets really, really dangerous because a lot of people who don't know any better actually think that Trump is some sort of threat to democracy. Um, and then the people who do know better, they have a, an excuse. They have a pretext to go after him. But the U.S. Army, uh, the U.S. Navy, all of our armed services, uh, the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, various intelligence agencies, they all have these wings, these units for psychological warfare. And it's a real thing. They use tactics involving deception, fear, to get what they want without firing bullets. Cut 20, please. This is from a actual U.S. Army website. Cut 20. Trained in persuasive techniques, PSYOP soldiers use their skills to change attitudes, behaviors, values, beliefs. Attitudes, behaviors, values, and beliefs are changed by soldiers, United States soldiers, all right, if you want to mess with the enemy that way, and we've seen this before, Tokyo Rose. Anybody remember her, Tokyo Rose, or hearing about her? Nobody remembers her. She was like a DJ, and uh, she would send radio messages. They got on a Japanese radio station, and she'd always speak in English to all the Yankees. You know, Yankee, go home. Your wife is fooling around on you while you're sitting on that island like a dum-dum. That was Tokyo Rose, and she worked to undermine the morale of U.S. troops. Uh, who else? Uh, you've seen leaflets drop from the air, right? Leaflets drop. I showed one last night, and we did it over Afghanistan. You know, the Taliban do not support you. That is not the way of Allah. We would actually write those kinds of messages. American military, put them on a billion pieces of paper, and drop them over the mountains of Afghanistan. Um, 
And you know what another operation, psychological warfare operation, the laptop, the laptop, denying that the laptop was Hunter's and alleging that it came from Russia, the ultimate in psychological warfare. Uh, I find it all very, very dangerous, but it's happening. It's real. And this was another major component of the psychological warfare, the psychological warfare designed to undermine the authority and make people fearful of the president of the United States at the time, President Trump. When a four-star general starts apologizing for appearing with the president of the United States, that's a psychological warfare operation. Cut 21. Been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. Wow, General Milley should not have been there walking 10 feet behind President Trump. Did he say because it would have created the perception of the military being involved in, in domestic politics? Uh, I think this created a perception of the military being involved in domestic politics when 10 seconds later you started talking like the wokest guy on the world. Cut 22. I am outraged by the senseless and brutal killing of George Floyd. What we are seeing is the long shadow of our original sin in Jamestown 401 years ago. We are still struggling with racism, and we have much work to do. Unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in America, and they have no place in our armed forces. And we should all be proud that the vast majority of protests have been peaceful. We must ensure fairness and equity at all key gateway selection boards including promotion, command, and war call. Be inclusive. Make a commitment to seek out and surround yourself with those who don't look like you. That's uh, that's pretty woke stuff. That's pretty to the left. You can be outraged, but you're in uniform. You shouldn't be even watching the news. You should be getting ready for the next war. All right, how about reading up on China? How about reading up on Afghanistan? That, one, that was when we were just about a year away from getting our asses handed to us in Afghanistan. And he's talking about every domestic issue under the sun. It was a psychological warfare campaign, an illegal one waged by government agencies against the commander-in-chief, against the president of the United States, duly elected by the American people. And that's a real freaking problem. The deep state. Man, this is not a democracy. Threats to democracy, we don't have a democracy anymore. And too much of the media, you know, we worry about government censorship. Uh, we have media, self-imposed censorship. Rachel Maddow, who is the delight of the left, delight of the left. President Trump is speaking that major speech in Bedminster. Turned off the camera on President Trump and, and claimed it wasn't news. It was the very definition of news. It was brand new. He was speaking. He had just been accused. He had just been arraigned in court. I want to hear what he has to say. Rachel Maddow doesn't think you can handle it. Cut 23. I need to say that former President Trump has just started uh, making public remarks, just as he did on the evening of his first arraignment on criminal charges. That was April, when he was booked on 34 felony counts brought by the state of New York. Now tonight, after his arraignment on federal felony charges, he's speaking again, this time to an audience of his supporters that's gathered for a, a campaign fundraiser. We are prepared for his pre-fundraiser remarks tonight to again be essentially a Trump campaign speech. Because of that, we do not intend to carry these remarks live. Um, as we have said before in these circumstances, there is a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly broadcast untrue things. We are- How the hell do you know what's untrue and what's true? So you broadcast that silly prosecutor announcing the indictment of Trump. How do you know that's true? These are allegations from the government, but they're true. So you air them all. You don't know that. 
but you air them all on the, to be on the safe side. And you should air President Trump's denial. You should air his denial. Um, this is, um, and by the way, when the government starts getting involved in censorship, these people are going to be right on board. They won't need much, much encouraging, much cajoling. Um, I love this the other night from, uh, from President Trump and also the way he governed, the way he worked in the White House. He actually totally understood what was uh, legal, what was not legal. Cut 25. And uh, I'll sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office. And we will have a national emergency, and we will then be sued, and they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling, and then we'll get another bad ruling, and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court, and hopefully we'll get a fair shake, and we'll win in the Supreme Court, just like the ban. They sued us in the Ninth Circuit, and we lost, and then we lost in the appellate division, and then we went to the Supreme Court, and we won. You see, does that sound like an authoritarian? <laughs> it sounds like Jackie Mason will go here, and then we'll try this, and then we're going to try that, and we're going to... Um, this is not somebody to be afraid of. So why are they afraid? Why are they afraid? What do they have in store for us? I'll be right back. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, one more thing about the Ivy Leaguers. So there are a lot of people, qualified people out there to be president who didn't go to Ivy League schools and maybe aren't United States senators or congressmen uh, or even governors. The governor is one of the most overblown positions in America. It depends what state, namely New York State, they don't have as much authority as you think. It's basically a part-time position. How many times do you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles? I mean, there are some things you'd be surprised. I got to get that chart, but state agencies, they're rather limited and, uh, the legislature is not in uh, effect. I think like six months out of the year, they're, they're home. It's a part time job. Not as big a job as you think, but forget all that for a moment. Uh, I want to go back to, uh, Joe Biden is most likely suspected of taking bribes. There may be evidence. Of him uh, taking bribes in the form of audio tapes, phone calls with Ukrainians about, uh, you know, if you're giving somebody a bribe, it's probably in your interest to tape that because, well, that could be very useful someday. You give a guy $5 million to get something done. If he doesn't do it, you know, you kind of have this evidence over him. You could use this. You could you could blackmail somebody with it. And I do think that there's a real chance that Joe Biden is being blackmailed. It's tied up with China, tied up with Ukraine, Romania, who knows where else. So the FBI, also known as Friends of Biden Incorporated, sent one of their lackeys up to Capitol Hill to defend and spin for the Bidens. Josh Hawley was P-I-S-S-E-D. Senator Hawley of Missouri, great guy. I hope he's a president someday. I really admire this guy's courage, smart as hell. Uh, yeah, he does have Ivy League credentials, but that's beside the point, really. He hasn't built a political identity around that. Anyway, listen to this with, uh, what's his name? Abate, Deputy Director of the FBI. Cut 29. 
Will you commit to releasing this unclassified document that alleges that the President of the United States, the President of the United States, has taken $5 million or more in bribes from a foreign nation? The document has already been released pursuant to a subpoena to the House Oversight Committee. Has it been released to this committee? We will work with this committee within the parameters that are established Will you release the document to the public? It's unclassified. Don't you think the American people have a right to see it? Uh, Senator, the document, as you know, contains sensitive information that has bearing on the life of the source of the information, potentially. You can redact the source's name. We do this all the time. In some instances, Senator, and I know you know this, that is not sufficient to protect people. And that's what we strive and work to do each and every day. And I hope you would take that seriously, too. Oh, I take it very seriously. But I also take seriously the fact that your institution has repeatedly abused its authority. Good for you, Josh Hawley. And I would assume, what a a pandering, uh, condescending guy that FBI dude is. And, oh, by the way, this tells us that these 1023 forms actually are something. They're significant. If they're guarding them that jealously, it's not some phony joke. This is the real thing. And there are allegations that Joe Biden accepted money, millions and millions of dollars from Ukraine, and they're treating it with this kind of sensitivity. If it were if it were a fraud, if it were a joke, it would be a totally different tone. Marsha Blackburn gets in here. Republican of Tennessee. I had an argument with her once. We don't uh we're not on good terms, but that's fine. I think she does a pretty good job there. It's a little touchy about the wrong thing in my book, but whatever. Uh, here she was great. Cut 30. Why did you decide to conceal the information in that revelation to the House Oversight Committee? Why did you redact all of that re- uh, pertaining to the phone calls? We have exceptional people within the... In You're the not FBI, answering the, the question. Best. Why did you redact that information? Were, were... Did you hear that? Oh, we have the best people. That's what the FBI always does. So many of the men and women of the FBI. Hey, we're over that crap. All right? Give us the information. You work for us, not the other way around. You, the men and women, you're not so. You're not superior. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, uh, my TV show is totally breaking through again. I'm up against a lot of. Uh, a lot of obstacles, a lot of barriers, you know? I mean, uh, Newsmax, awesome, awesome, awesome outfit. Sometimes we're hard to find. Channel 350,000, you know? I mean, they give us a crummy spot on the dial sometimes. Sometimes it's very easy. You know, we got them, we got some great cable providers out there, but then we got some others who are, uh, <laughs> a little bit iffy. Uh, you can download the app. You can do this. You can do that. And I encourage you to do so to check it out. Uh, the television that's happening over there, especially on my show, is groundbreaking is uh, different. Uh, there's nothing out there like it, and uh, people are noticing, and it's infuriating. The the left-leaning media, especially this website, Mediaite and Media Matters, every day they do some feature, some uh, something they're outraged by. And what are they outraged by? The truth! When I say the truth, all right, I'll get to that in a minute, their latest uh, grievance, which is a feather in my cap. Um, John Dean, the Watergate turncoat. John Dean, remember him? One of the big mysteries, actually, is how that little twerp ever became White House counsel. He was like, he's like Joe Biden's age. He was like 29 at the time, and no significant experience. 
at all. Pretty mediocre guy. And somehow he's the president's lawyer. How in the hell did that happen? Uh, very corrupt individual. Very corrupt. Now, this is what he's famous for. Is this the, I think this is during the hearings and the cancer on the presidency, right? Go ahead and play that for me, will you? 1973. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency. And if the cancer was not removed, the president himself would be killed by it. I also told him that it was important that this cancer be removed immediately. All right. So um, the cancer on the president. And there is an audio tape of him saying that. It's cancer. Cancer on the presidency. It's growing, growing exponentially. Um, And everybody somehow, like to this day, they think he's some sort of hero. It's not. He's a criminal. He is a total and complete criminal. He was convicted. He was the mastermind of a lot of this dirty crap, this illegal activity. And here's an example of his mindset. Number one, why do I bring him up? Because he's on number one. He was talking trash about Newsmax the other day. He was trying to talk all kinds of trash about Newsmax. And to a lesser extent, Fox News. Then again, Tapper, he was the one who brung it up, as John Travolta might say. Uh, cut 41. Do you think that if Fox and Newsmax and others in the right-wing ecosystem where alternate facts are shared, such as the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera, do you think if that had existed during Watergate that Richard Nixon would have felt compelled to resign? There's no doubt that Watergate would have played out differently. Yeah, you know what would have happened? I might have pointed out if I were on the air in 1973. Hey, Lyndon Johnson, uh, he bugged Richard Nixon's campaign plane in 1968. Are we going to talk about that? <laughs> What about John F. Kennedy bugging everybody and saying, what about the FBI breaking the law, spying on uh, Martin Luther King? What about that? I think I might have pointed these things out if I were there. But no, by the way, Newsmax doesn't say the, the, the election was stolen. I've been known to say that. And my position here is I have grave doubts. I have very serious doubts about the fairness of that election. And this is America. You're still allowed to do that. You're still allowed to be that way. One of the reasons why I don't say it was stolen at this point, I don't have the uh, the mathematical ability, quite frankly, to to prove that. I don't. I don't. I can't. Um, I have my deep suspicions. I have my gut. I have all that stuff. Um, I do know that I can prove certain elections were illegal, like the one in Pennsylvania. You guys should have been on your state legislature. They said you could vote any old way you want come November of 2020 in total and complete violation of the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The Commonwealth. A couple of states are in states. They're Commonwealth. Kind of snobby. But they blew off the Commonwealth's Constitution, which says you can vote in person or absentee with excuse to say you don't need an excuse. You can vote wherever the hell you want. We'll send you a ballot. Here's more. You You lost that. Here's another one. Any old way you want, you can vote. Wherever you want, you can vote. It's against the Constitution. Yeah, but we changed the rules. You're supposed to change the law. Man. All right, back to John Dean, that low life. Now, he has fooled these children, including Jake Tapper with his pompous glasses and uh, just his, well, that Ivy League look, that Ivy League attitude. I'm better than everybody else. I'm better. I went to... 
wherever the hell it is he went to. I don't even know if he went to the – did he go to the Ivy League? He did. I, I guarantee you that guy went to some Ivy League school. Let's find out for sure. Um, in the meantime, everybody over there fawns all over John Dean like he's some sort of hero, like he was the one – he was the big truth teller in all of Watergate. He wasn't, and he undermined and he hurt President Nixon on purpose. He had every opportunity to stop the whole damn thing, and he didn't. So Gordon Liddy, you know who G. Gordon Liddy is, right? He became a very successful talk show host, a lot of books. I met him a couple of times. I liked him. He was, was he in the Marine Corps, in the Army? Um, He was, but he was, he was a character and I liked him. But in the 1970s, that guy needed to be removed from government life. He had a screw loose. Okay. He never should have been. And he got himself into the Nixon White House, into that plumbers group. Why? Because John Ehrlichman was impressed with his burglary skills. He said it out loud on that same silly cancer on the presidency speech. The dramatization, right? Ooh, cancer on the presidency. How? An, what an interesting way to phrase it. He also says, he gives him a history. And they say, we brought this guy Gordon Liddy in because he was a great guy. He burglarized Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office and he did it very well. This is a great guy. Excuse me? You hired somebody because they were good at burglary. That's what happened. And here's the proof. Cut 42. Listen carefully. This is John Dean going on and on about, he's trying to go into the history of how everything started. We wanted to have a legitimate campaign operation. You know, legitimate campaign intelligence, which you're allowed to do under law. So I found a guy who was good at burglary and brought him in because he's a good guy. Cut 42. After I came up with Gordon Liddy, who they need a lawyer, Gordon had an intelligence background from his FBI service. I was aware of the fact that he had done some extremely sensitive things for the White House while he'd been at the White House, and he apparently done them well. Uh, going out into Ellsberg's doctor's office and things like this. He worked with leaks. He, you know, tracked these things down. Uh, and... and so the report that I got from Stroh was that he was a hell of a good man and, and not only got a good lawyer uh, and could set up a proper operation. You want to set up a proper operation with a guy who went into Ellsberg's office? Didn't just go into Ellsberg's office. He broke into it. He burglarized it. He ransacked the place. G. Gordon Liddy hanging around the White House. Thanks to John Dean, criminal. Criminal, and he fools these people because they literally know nothing. They don't know anything. The mainstream fake news, they know nothing, zero. Even Obama knew that about them, and they exploited it. A guy named Ben Rhodes is on record. The average reporter we deal with is 27 years old, and they literally know nothing. Nothing. So they can put this guy and he gets specials and he's on this panel, he's on that panel and he's, he's the, uh, the biggest deal over there. I don't see Carl Bernstein around as much. Uh, let's see here. And by the way, looks like, uh, all right, let me t- go to Teddy for a moment. Hi, what's up? Uh, how you doing there, Mr. Kelly? Uh, Mr. Kelly, I take issue with your core beliefs, everything that you say, 100%. I appreciate you listening, and I, I you know, I would not, me, hold on a second, Teddy. Before you continue, um, why do you listen? 
if you disagree with my core beliefs and everything like that, is it because you, I don't know, you're, you're, you're picking apart my arguments in your head or you're, I mean, I would not sit around reading a book by somebody I totally disagreed with unless I was like, had to know it for some reason. So what's your mission? You're totally different from your father. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. Um, I got to tell you guys this first. Jake Tapper went to Dartmouth College. <laughs> He's an Ivy Leaguer. Uh, I, I totally knew it. And the snob routine, the snob routine. You know, um, if you got an issue with me, Teddy, that's fine. You want to talk about my father. Uh, he happens to be my biggest fan, my biggest fan. Um, and when people tell me sometimes the ultimate compliment, I see a little bit of your father and a little bit of your mother in you. Hey, Teddy, I want you to take a deep breath. I'm willing to have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to be berated by you, all right? So do you want to talk to me like a person, or do you want to be a jerk? Well, can I express my Hey, Teddy, Teddy, it's actually, it's your tone that I, you know, I'm I'm telling you, we got time. I mean, I may hang up on you in 10 seconds, but we got time, so I want you to take a breath, and I want you to just talk to me, okay, like a person, all right? We're on the phone now, all right? I'm here. I'm listening to you, Teddy. All right, just you and me, all right? So let's talk, all right, like people. Okay, let me say what I want to say in a nice, even tone. Attorney General Barr is a respected former lawyer, and I think he knows what he's talking about. Can I jump in for a second? Mr. Can Turley. I, 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 uh, Teddy, 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 hold on a second. You just said something totally wrong, and you call on the radio station. you, know, you got to get your stuff together if you're gonna. If we're going to stop the show to listen to Teddy. You just said that... Bill Barr is a former lawyer. He's not a former lawyer. He is a lawyer. Get your facts straight, Teddy. He is a lawyer. Now, this is one of the most frustrating things in the world. Watching people on television, you know, this former lawyer says this. This former, you see, you got me saying it. This attorney general says this. This guy says this. This former federal prosecutor says that. You are a person, Teddy, and you are qualified to be on that grand jury. Regular people, non-lawyers, this will ultimately go to a jury. This will go to people. We do not delegate these decisions to these folks. We don't. It's us. How many How many classified documents were found in Mar-a-Lago, Teddy? How many? I don't know. All right, Teddy, here's something else you should know. Before you come piping off at me, bringing in my father for some reason, trying to insult me as a person, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have now made two mistakes. You've made two points, and you've made two mistakes Two points. You've said two things in your media. So, Teddy, this is not productive for either of us unless you want to drastically tone it down and improve the content uh, that you're proposing here. I respect Attorney General Barr. Well, that's fantastic. You know what I got to do? I got to have you go to my website, my Twitter, and I'll show you a couple of things about Attorney General Barr. Uh, I'll show you that he's drinking, that he has a drinking problem. He absolutely has a drinking problem. I don't know if you've been on TV, Teddy, but if you invited network cameras into your house, would you drink in front of them? He was drinking in front of them. Attorney General Bill Barr did make a great point once, though. He said, as a matter of logic, changing the rules mid-campaign is open to fraud, abuse, and coercion. And they were playing with fire in the election of 2020. After that, Bill Barr, afraid of being impeached. Look, you can quote Bill Barr. We can turn on CNN and Fox News and watch Bill Barr. So are you going to bring anything else to the table other than repeating what Bill Barr said? 
All I'll just say is just visit Trump in prison, okay? Hey, no. Teddy, hey Teddy, 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 Teddy. Um, you, I, you know what's interesting? When I talk to guys like you, because on some level, you do support Trump. You know he's right. Teddy, there's absolutely no way you're signing up for this this Biden crap and this gender mess and no border. You know it's wrong. And that's one of the reasons why you sound as angry as you do right now. Because you're kind of like a man without a home. You don't like Trump, but you know you can't be with Biden. You know it. You know it. You just you can't sign up for that stuff. So the anger comes through. The anger. And I hope you work on that. I'm going to ask you one thing. Maybe more. What is the number one policy disagreement you have with President Trump? I stumped him. <laughs> it's no, it's no, I'm not gonna, I stopped you. It took you too long, Teddy. I'm well, sorry. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not a. Uh, you're not a serious person, unfortunately. Uh, allegiance to what? Okay, Putin has him in his back. Putin pocket. has him in his back pocket. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you, do you know about the money? You know about Hunter Biden working in Ukraine? That's uh, <laughs> back pocket. Look. Go back to watching MSNBC. Work yourself up into a frenzy. Become more deranged than you already are. I Apparently, I can't help you. I tried. I tried. Mary in Bud Lake, New Jersey. Hello. Hi, Greg. I wanted to say when you talked about Millie and Trump and how Millie accompanied Trump uh, across Lafayette Square when he stood in front of the church, and said not a word, but simply held up a Christian Bible. Yeah. Somebody said to him, is that your Bible? And he said, it's a Bible. That's right. the only thing he said. And Millie said later that it was a, he wished he hadn't done it in uniform because it was political. So that told me at the time, in other words, what he's saying is to stand in front of a Christian church, say not a word, but simply hold up a Christian Bible, is a political statement. And... Uh... So you don't like him for that, right? Oh, yeah. What What does that tell you? How is that a political statement? Yeah, he's a bad, bad guy, General Milley. He's done so much to hurt this country, so much, so much. And it is my – look, I have my grievances, a handful with Trump. I wish he had um, – I wish he had fired Milley. I wish he had fired him on the spot after he issued that apology. What in the hell's wrong with you? Unfort- that, this is how powerful the deep state is, though. The deep state, they are so powerful in the military. Um, I want I want to play this for you. Bob Woodward is a big champion of the fake news, right? And he was in love with Barack Obama. And the swamp was pretty much in love with Barack Obama, too. But the swamp mostly loves itself. And they're loyal to the deep state. And Obama gets in there. He's elected, right? This is 2010. He is elected president. He wants to do things. And the swamp won't let him do it. Listen to this. Cut 26. The meetings. Obama felt disrespected and trapped. And at different times, he felt that the military was maneuvering around him. Did they think they could take a young president? Some of them might have have thought that. So you're the president who's supposed to be the decider, who's supposed to have choice. And you've got these blocks of granite out there saying, oh, no, you really don't have a choice. This is the way to do it. And he was not happy. The establishment wanted 40,000 troops, an open-ended commitment. He wanted a plan for a U.S. exit. In the end, he gave 30,000. But still, the military kept pushing. It's amazing, huh? Military calling the shots. 
Uh, you're not in charge. And that was Obama. That was Obama, darling. You see how it works, Mary? I am very concerned about that deep state. Anyway, good points. What's Bud Lake like? Oh, Bud Lake is a cute little kind of a funky town in northwest Jersey. We've got a big lake here. Uh, I'm looking down at it from over 46, and you've got a lot of little houses that used to be uh, an old uh, um, uh, nudist camp. No, there's no nudist camp in Bud Lake. (laughs) But we're just tucked among trees and got a few stores. And, uh, you know, the Highway 46. All right. uh, Sounds like a great place. I've heard of it. Never been there. And uh, I am. I I would love to see it. Hey, is it time? All right. We're good. Never mind. Uh, Thank you, Mary. Actually, yeah, Mary, I am late. Um, (laughs) You guys. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, what else? Feeling good. Feeling good. I am running every single day, uh, which is probably not good, but uh, there's something my, I don't know. I just feel better. Three to five miles every day, every day, not taking a day off. I mean, or very rarely when, when, when something happens and something does happen. So it usually works out to five or six days a week, which I highly recommend. Uh, it's been, Kind of getting in the way of my Bible reading. Oh, by the way, it has. You know, I took a shot at Mike Pence, and I actually mentioned the Bible. Where's Mike Pence? Mike Pence, gosh, you heard about what happened? Uh, he's actually giving Trump a hard time about the documents. Well, we don't know what the facts are, and we're going to have to let the the system um, play out. And I'll reserve judgment until we know exactly what happened. And go screw yourself. I'm sorry. You don't know enough about the swamp to know that this is all a great big sham. And the National Archives, oh, by the way, like the rest of the swamp, out to get Trump since day one. Since day one. I'll go through this tonight on the uh, Newsmax show. But the National Archives, they were busting on Trump since the day he became president about little things, right? The National are getting involved in domestic politics. You're supposed to be the librarians of the country. So there was a Politico article that said this, that Donald Trump was throwing pieces of paper in the trash, right? Can't throw things in the trash if you're the president of the United States. And little aides would run around, the fake news story goes, and they'd go into the trash and and tape the pieces of paper together because, well, everything's got to be submitted to the National Archives. And the National Archives wrote to Politico saying, this is highly disturbing, and we must have all the information about this story. Nothing must be destroyed, not even trash. You can't even throw something in the wastebasket if you're Trump. I'll be back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, uh, my TV show is totally breaking through again. 
I'm up against a lot of, uh, a lot of obstacles, a lot of barriers, you know? I mean, uh, Newsmax, awesome, awesome, awesome outfit. Sometimes they're hard to find. Channel 350,000, you know? I mean, they give us a crummy spot on the dial sometimes. Sometimes it's very easy. You know, we got them, we got some great cable providers out there, but then we got some others who are, uh, <laughs> a little bit iffy. Uh, you can download the app, you can do this, you can do that, and I encourage you to do so to check it out. Uh, the television that's happening over there, especially on my show, is groundbreaking, is uh, different. Uh, there's nothing out there like it, and uh, people are noticing, and it's infuriating, the the left-leaning media, especially this website, Mediaite and Media Matters. Every day they do some feature, some uh, something they're outraged by. And what are they outraged by? The truth! When I say the truth, all right, I'll get to that in a minute, their latest... Uh, Grievance, which is a feather in my cap. Um, John Dean, the Watergate turncoat. John Dean, remember him? One of the big mysteries, actually, is how that little twerp ever became White House counsel. He was like, he's like Joe Biden's age. He was like 29 at the time, and no significant experience at all. Pretty mediocre guy, and somehow he's the president's lawyer. How in the hell did that happen? Uh, very corrupt individual. Very corrupt. Now this is what he's famous for. Is this the? I think this is during the hearings and the cancer on the presidency, right? Go ahead and play that for me, will you? 1973. I began by telling the president that there was a cancer growing on the presidency, and if the cancer was not removed, the president himself would be killed by it. I also told him that it was important that this cancer be removed immediately. I- All right. So um, the cancer on the president, and there is an audio tape of him saying that. It's cancer, cancer on the presidency. It's growing, growing exponentially. Um, and everybody somehow, like to this day, they think he's some sort of hero. It's not. He's a criminal. He is a total and complete criminal. He was convicted. He was the mastermind of a lot of this dirty crap, this illegal activity. And here's an example of his mindset. Number one, why do I bring him up? Because he's on number one, he was talking trash about Newsmax the other day. He was trying to talk all kinds of trash about Newsmax. And to a lesser extent, Fox News. Then again, Tapper, he was the one who brung it up, as John Travolta might say. Uh, Cut 41. Do you think that if Fox and Newsmax and others in the right-wing ecosystem where alternate facts are shared, such as the election was stolen, et cetera, et cetera, do you think if that had existed during Watergate that Richard Nixon would have felt compelled to resign? There's no doubt that Watergate would have played out differently. Yeah, you know what would have happened? I might have pointed out if I were on the air in 1973. Hey, Lyndon Johnson, uh, he bugged Richard Nixon's campaign plane in 1968. Are we going to talk about that? <laughs> What about John F. Kennedy bugging everybody and say, what about the FBI breaking the law, spying on uh, Martin Luther King? What about that? I think I might have pointed these things out if I were there. And oh, by the way, Newsmax doesn't say the, the, the election was stolen. I've been known to say that. And my position here is I have grave doubts. I have very serious doubts about the fairness of that election. And this is America. You're still allowed to do that. You're still allowed to be that way. One of the reasons why I don't say it was stolen at this point, I don't have the uh, the mathematical ability, quite frankly, to to prove that. I don't. I don't. I can't. Um, I have my deep suspicions. I have my gut. I have all that stuff. Um, 
I do know that I can prove certain elections were illegal, like the one in Pennsylvania. You guys should have been on your state legislature. They said you could vote any old way you want come November of 2020 in total and complete violation of the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The Commonwealth. A couple of states are in states. They're Commonwealth. Kind of snobby. But they blew off the Commonwealth's Constitution, which says you can vote in person or absentee with excuse to say you don't need an excuse. You can vote wherever the hell you want. We'll send you a ballot. Here's more. You, you, know, you lost that? Here's another one. Any old way you want, you can vote. Wherever you want, you can vote. It's against the Constitution. Yeah, but we changed the rules. You're supposed to change the law. Man. All right, back to John Dean. That low life. Now, he has fooled these children, including Jake Tapper with his pompous glasses and uh, just his, well, that Ivy League look, that Ivy League attitude. I'm better than everybody else. I'm better. I went to... Wherever the hell it is he went to. I don't even know if he went to the... Did he go to the Ivy League? He did. I, I guarantee you that guy went to some Ivy League school. Let's find out for sure. Um, in the meantime, everybody over there fawns all over John Dean. Like he's some sort of hero. Like he was the one. He was the big truth teller in all of Watergate. He wasn't. And he undermined and he hurt President Nixon on purpose. And he had every opportunity to stop the whole damn thing. And he didn't. So Gordon Liddy. You know who G. Gordon Liddy is, right? He became a very successful talk show host, a uh, lot of books. I met him a couple of times. I liked him. He was, was he in the Marine Corps, in the Army? Um, he was, a, but he was, he was a character and I liked him. But in the 1970s, that guy needed to be removed from government life. He had a screw loose. Okay. He never should have been. And he got himself into the Nixon White House, into that plumbers group. Why? Because John Ehrlichman was impressed with his burglary skills. He said it out loud on that same silly cancer on the presidency speech. The dramatization, right? Ooh, cancer on the presidency. How? An, what an interesting way to phrase it. He also says, he gives him a history. And they say, we brought this guy Gordon Liddy in because he was a great guy. He burglarized Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office and he did it very well. This is a great guy. Excuse me? You hired somebody because they were good at burglary. That's what happened. And here's the proof. Cut 42. Listen carefully. This is John Dean going on and on about, he's trying to go into the history of how everything started. We wanted to have a legitimate campaign operation. You know, legitimate campaign intelligence, which you're allowed to do under law. So I found a guy who was good at burglary and brought him in because he's a good guy. Cut 42. That's when I came up with Gordon Liddy, who they need a lawyer. Gordon had an intelligence background from his FBI service. I was aware of the fact that he had done some extremely sensitive things for the White House while he'd been at the White House, and he'd apparently done them well. Uh, going out into Ellsberg's doctor's office and things like this. He worked with leaks. He, you know, tracked these things down. Uh, and... and so the report that I got from Troy was that he was a hell of a good man and, and not only that, a good lawyer. Uh, and to set up a proper operation. You want to set up a proper operation with a guy who went into Ellsberg's office? Didn't just go into Ellsberg's office. He broke into it. He burglarized it. He ransacked the place. G. Gordon Liddy. Hanging around the White House. Thanks to John Dean.
criminal. Criminal. And he fools these people because they literally know nothing. They don't know anything. The mainstream fake news, they know nothing. Zero. Even Obama knew that about them, and they exploited it. A guy named Ben Rhodes is on record. The average reporter we deal with is 27 years old, and they literally know nothing. Nothing. So they can put this guy, and he gets specials, and he's on this panel, he's on that panel, and he's he's the uh, the biggest deal over there. I don't see Carl Bernstein around as much. Uh, let's see here. And by the way... Looks like, uh, all right, let me t- go to Teddy for a moment. Hi, what's up? Uh, how you doing there, Mr. Kelly? Uh, Mr. Kelly, I take issue with your core beliefs, everything that you say, 100%. I appreciate you listening, and I, I you know, I would not, well, hold on a second, Teddy. Before you continue, um, why do you listen? If you disagree with my core beliefs and everything like that, is it because you, I don't know, you're, you're you're picking apart my arguments in your head or you're I mean, I would not sit around reading a book by somebody I totally disagreed with unless I was like had to know it for some reason. So what's your ambition? You're totally different from your father. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy. Um, I got to tell you guys this first. Jake Tapper went to Dartmouth College. <laughs> He's an Ivy Leaguer. Uh, I, I totally knew it. And the snob routine. The snob routine. You know, um, if you got an issue with me, Teddy, that's fine. You want to talk about my father. Uh, he happens to be my biggest fan. My biggest fan. Um, and when people tell me sometimes the ultimate compliment, I see a little bit of your father and a little bit of your mother in you. Hey, Teddy, I want you to take a deep breath. I'm willing to have a conversation with you, but I'm not going to be berated by you, all right? So do you want to talk to me like a person or do you want to be a jerk? Well, can I express my Hey, Teddy, feelings? Teddy, I, it's actually, it's your tone that I, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, we got time. I mean, I may hang up on you in 10 seconds, but we got time, so I want you to take a breath, and I want you to just talk to me, okay, like a person, all right? We're on the phone now, all right? I'm here. I'm listening to you, Teddy, all right? Just you and me, all right? So let's talk, all right, like people. Okay, let me say what I want to say in a nice, even tone. Attorney General Barr is a respected former lawyer, and I think he knows what he's talking about. Can I jump in for a second? Mr. Can I, 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 no, Teddy, 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 hold on a second. You just said something totally wrong, and you call on the radio station. you, know, you got to get your stuff together if you're gonna. If we're going to stop the show to listen to Teddy. You just said that Bill Barr is a former lawyer. He's not a former lawyer. He is a lawyer. Get your facts straight, Teddy. He is a lawyer. Now, this is one of the most frustrating things in the world, watching people on television. You know, this former lawyer says this. This former, you see, you got me saying it. This attorney general says this. This guy says this. This former federal prosecutor says that. You are a person, Teddy, and you are qualified to be on that grand jury. Regular people, non-lawyers, this will ultimately go to a jury. This will go to people. We do not delegate these decisions to these folks. We don't. It's us. How many how many classified documents were found in Mar-a-Lago, Teddy? How many? I don't know. All right, Teddy, here's something else you should know. Before you come piping off at me, bringing in my father for some reason, trying to insult me as a person, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have now made two mistakes. You've made two points, and you've made two mistakes, two points. You've said two things, and you made it. 
So, Teddy, this is not productive for either of us unless you want to drastically tone it down and improve the content uh, that you're proposing here. I respect Attorney General Barr. Well, that's fantastic. You know what I got to do? I got to have you go to my website, my Twitter, and I'll show you a couple of things about Attorney General Barr. Uh, I'll show you that he's drinking, that he has a drinking problem. He absolutely has a drinking problem. I don't know if you've been on TV, Teddy, but if you invited network cameras into your house, would you drink in front of them? He was drinking in front of them. Attorney General Bill Barr did make a great point once, though. He said, as a matter of logic, changing the rules mid-campaign is open to fraud, abuse, and coercion. And they were playing with fire in the election of 2020. After that, Bill Barr, afraid of being impeached. Look, you can quote Bill Barr. We can turn on CNN and Fox News and watch Bill Barr. So are you going to bring anything else to the table other than repeating what Bill Barr said? All I'll just say is just visit Trump in prison, okay? Hey, Teddy, 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 Teddy. Um, you, You know what's interesting? When I talk to guys like you, because on some level, you do support Trump. You know he's right. Teddy, there's absolutely no way you're signing up for this this Biden crap and this gender mess and no border. You know it's wrong. And that's one of the reasons why you sound as angry as you do right now, because you're kind of like a man without a home. You don't like Trump, but you know you can't be with Biden. You know it. You know it. You just you can't sign up for that stuff. So the anger comes through. The anger. And I hope you work on that. I'm going to ask you one thing. Maybe more. What is the number one policy disagreement you have with President Trump? I stumped him. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to. I stumped you. It took you too long, Teddy. I'm no, sorry. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not a. Uh, you're not a serious person, unfortunately. Uh, allegiance to what? Okay, Putin has him in his back. Putin pocket. has him in his back pocket. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you, do you, you know about the money? You know about Hunter Biden working in Ukraine? That's uh, <laughs> back pocket. Look, go back to watching MSNBC. Work yourself up into a frenzy. Become more deranged than you already are. I Apparently, I can't help you. I tried. I tried. Mary in Bud Lake, New Jersey. Hello. Hi, Greg. I wanted to say when you talked about Millie and Trump and how Millie accompanied Trump uh, across Lafayette Square, when he stood in front of the church and said not a word, but simply held up a Christian Bible. Yeah. Somebody said to him, is that your Bible? And he said, it's a Bible. That's right. the only thing he said. And Millie said later that it was a, he wished he hadn't done it in uniform because it was political. So that told me at the time, in other words, what he's saying is to stand in front of a Christian church, say not a word, but simply hold up a Christian Bible is a political statement. And uh, so you don't like him for that, right? Oh, yeah. What What does that tell you? How is that a political statement? <laughs> yeah, he's a bad, bad guy, General Milley. He's done so much to hurt this country, so much, so much. And it is my – look, I have my grievances, a, a handful with Trump. I wish he had um, – I wish he had fired Milley. I wish he had fired him on the spot after he issued that apology. What in the hell's wrong with you? Unfort- that, this is how powerful the deep state is, though. The deep state, they are so powerful in the military. Um, I want, I want to play this for you. Bob Woodward is a big champion of the fake news, right? 
and he was in love with Barack Obama. And the swamp was pretty much in love with Barack Obama, too. But the swamp mostly loves itself, and they're loyal to the deep state. And Obama gets in there. He's elected, right? This is 2010. He is elected president. He wants to do things, and the swamp won't let him do it. Listen to this. Cut 26. The meetings. Obama felt disrespected and trapped. And at different times, he felt that the military was maneuvering around him. Did they think they could take a young president? Some of them might have have thought that. So you're the president who's supposed to be the decider, who's supposed to have choice, and you've got these blocks of granite out there saying, oh, no, you really don't have a choice. This is the way to do it. And he was not happy. The establishment wanted 40,000 troops, an open-ended commitment. He wanted a plan for a U.S. exit. In the end, he gave 30,000, but still the military kept pushing. It's amazing, huh? Military calling the shots. Uh, you're not in charge. And that was Obama. That was Obama, darling. You see how it works, Mary? I am very concerned about that deep state. Anyway, good points. What's Bud Lake like? Oh, Bud Lake is a cute little kind of a funky town in northwest Jersey. We've got a big lake here. Uh, I'm looking down at it from over 46, and you've got a lot of little houses that used to be uh, an old... uh, um, uh, Nudist camp. No, there's no nudist camp in Bud Lake. <laughs> but we're just tucked among trees and got a few stores and, uh, you know, the Highway 46. All and, right. Uh, Sounds like a great place. I've heard of it. Never been there. And uh, I am. I, I would love to see it. Hey, is it time? Yeah. All right. We're good. Never mind. Uh, thank you, Mary. Very, actually, yeah, Mary, I am late. I'm, <laughs> you got Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, what else? Feeling good. Feeling good. I am running every single day, uh, which is probably not good, but uh, there's something my, I don't know. I just feel better. Three to five miles every day. Every day. Not taking a day off. I mean, or very rarely when, when, when something happens and something does happen. So it usually works out to five or six days a week, which I highly recommend. Uh, it's been, Kind of getting in the way of my Bible reading. Oh, by the way, it has. You know, I took a shot at Mike Pence, and I actually mentioned the Bible. Where's Mike Pence? Mike Pence, gosh, you heard about what happened? Uh, he's actually giving Trump a hard time about the documents. Well, we don't know what the facts are, and we're going to have to let the the system um, play out. And I'll reserve judgment until we know exactly what happened. And go screw yourself. I'm sorry. You don't know enough about the swamp to know that this is all a great big sham. And the National Archives, oh, by the way, like the rest of the swamp, out to get Trump since day one. Since day one. I'll go through this tonight on the uh, Newsmax show. But the National Archives, they were busting on Trump since the day he became president about little things, right? The National Archives getting involved in domestic politics. You're supposed to be the librarians of the country. So there was a Politico article that said this, that Donald Trump was throwing pieces of paper in the trash, right? You can't throw things in the trash if you're the president of the United States. And little aides would run around, the fake news story goes, and they'd go into the trash and, and tape the pieces of paper together 
because, well, everything's got to be submitted to the National Archives. And the National Archives wrote to Politico saying, this is highly disturbing and we must have all the information about this story. Nothing must be destroyed, not even trash. You can't even throw something in the wastebasket if you're Trump. I'll be back. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I'll get back to you on that press conference thing. Stick around for a second. I got to do this first, though. You know, Tim Scott, a Republican senator from South Carolina, I don't find him to be the most impressive guy in the world. Um, career politician, not particularly eloquent, uh, not particularly credentialed. Uh, what else? He's, he wants to be president of the United States. But frankly, I think identity politics is a big factor here. Uh, but Obama just ripped into him, I think, in the most guttural, worse, nasty way. Obama, what are you doing messing around in the Republican primary, huh? Uh, he sits down with David Axelrod, a uh, political guy, been around for a long time. He was, he was the guru for a while. May I hear this conversation, please? Go ahead. Now, look, I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. I am maybe suggesting that the rhetoric of can't we all get along and the quotes you made about, uh, you know, from my speech in mm-hmm. 2004 about there's a United States of America that has to be undergirded with an honest accounting of our past and our present. And so if a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, I mm-hmm. want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of racism in the society, and we need to do something about that. If that... Hey, stop for a second. This guy was president for eight years. He never talked this game. He didn't. That's one of the reasons why Axelrod was quoting your own damn speech to you, pal. You know, leaders aren't supposed to dwell on the bad things that countries have been through. And every country has baggage. Every country. Something else I'm doing tonight. Uh, I'm looking at every speech that President Xi in China has done over the past month. And every speech that President Putin has delivered over the past month. And you know what I'm finding? And these are bad guys. Terrible people. But they're not going around undermining their own country every time they open their mouths. And by the way, there's a lot to undermine over there. They're not doing that. You know, when you're the leader of the country, you're kind of supposed to put your best foot forward. And if you really want to go down this rabbit hole, and yes, they do. Why? Because it's uh, it's expensive and politically beneficial. If you want to put out this poison that black people in America are in the position that, uh, let's see, compared to other ethnic groups... It's because of uh, systemic racism and slavery and all that stuff. You are feeding a poison, and that's a poison that's laced with gasoline, and we're already starting to see the explosions in the fire, and you guys are just pouring more gasoline on it, and it's terrible. You're putting people at each other's throats. This is on you guys. You keep talking down America. I just want the government to stay the hell out of it. Since when do we have to have these guys, these social commentators? Get on talk radio. Do that. You shouldn't have gone into politics if you want to comment on all this stuff. This is so far outside the job description of President of the United States. Joe Biden the other day talking about 
transgender boys having a right to use the girls' room. Or transgender girls having, I don't know what the hell, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. That is not why we have presidents. This social engineering, stay the hell out of it. Uh, yes. All right. What, what happened after this? Keep going. Candidate is not willing to acknowledge that, you know, again and again, we've seen discrimination in everything from job practice uh, you know, getting a job to buying a house to how the criminal justice this system This lowlife has so. gotten, he became president of the United States. He's a black man. That is somehow, by the way, considered unsophisticated. Oh, that's so, Greg, you don't understand everything else that's happening. You can't just point to one black man's success in saying that systemic racism is over. Well, I think it's a pretty gosh darn big clue. He got the world-class education, the perfect education. Oh, by the way, he got it in part because he's black. Try to get his transcript from Columbia University. Do you think he got into Harvard on the merit? Do you know what college he went to before he went into Columbia? Nobody does. It's a weird place called, that's not a weird place, but it's called Occidental College in California. Occidental College. Occident, not exactly UCLA, right? Not exactly Stanford. But he went to Occidental College, accidentally, Occidental College. So he didn't have that great grades in uh, that private prep school he went to in Hawaii. Occidental. But affirmative action isn't something that, you know, just came down the pike uh, three weeks ago because of George Floyd. It's been around for decades. And he is clearly a beneficiary. Clearly. He's used to people sitting around and listening to him speak. Ooh, wow. Wow. What's the wow about? All right, wrap this up. I'm getting annoyed. So that somebody who does the exact same offense, the kind of sentencing, the likelihood that they do jail time is going to be different based on their race. If, if somebody's not... This is a race hustler in in, in action. This is a race hustler in action. And they'll use this data for the same crime. There's a, for the same crime. You, first of all, you know how many sentencing guidelines there are and how many of this, how much of this stuff is automatic and judges don't even have the leeway. They never point out things like criminal records, right? That they have an impact on these things. You know, Barack Obama says that, um, Blacks and Hispanics are stopped disproportionately by police. Now, that's just a fact. It's exact. That's an exact quote. Blacks and Hispanics are stopped disproportionately by police. Now, that's just a fact. And then it goes on. And the fact that you're supposed to think is, well, the police must be racist. Now, it's also a fact, but he doesn't say it because it undermines his whole thing. It undermines, I guess, his entire being because he's there because of this grievance culture. Um that blacks and Hispanic disproportionately commit more crime. You can look it up. It's true. And the best way to look at this, oh, by the way, is who calls 911? Anyway, this is the same junk I've heard before. Does he rip into uh, Tim Scott or what? I, I mean, it seems like he's dancing around it, like he dances around everything else. Both acknowledging and proposing elements that say, no, we can't just ignore all that and pretend as if everything's equal and fair. We actually have to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. If they're not doing it's that, pretty rich him I, trying to say 
walk the walk and not just talk the talk. This guy, all he's done his whole life is talk. He's never really broken a sweat, never done anything. Never done anything. Just talk. Just words. Granted, I'm on a radio talk show <laughs> right now. So, Barbara, help me. Barbara in Huntington, welcome back. Yes. Hi, Greg. The, the quote you were looking for before, I think, is the one by Edmund Burke. Nobody makes a bigger mistake than he who did nothing because he could do only a little. Is that the one you were looking for? Yeah, I like the way I said it better, though. <laughs> uh, somebody said something. Yes, that one. Edmund Burke. All yes, right. beautiful, beautiful. And, and thank you for reading the Elie Wiesel quote, because that man, what a saint, what he suffered, what he learned, and what he offered to society. When he says, and you read it, men and women are persecuted because of their race, religion, or political views, that place must at that moment become the center of the universe. Because if we don't all move to defend them and stand for the truth, our world flies apart. Wow. Now, it's so, uh, you're so rich, Barbara. So glad that uh, you're in our universe here. Um, all right. So anything else uh, on your mind? Well, yes, I have a very heavy thing on my heart and my mind that tomorrow is the desecration of the cross, the desecration of, of nuns, of religious and so forth. Oh, no, at Dodger Stadium? Out in California. At the yes. Dodger Stadium? And, yes. Oh. And those, those people who are being awarded um, – have no knowledge, and it wouldn't make any difference if they did, but it makes a difference to the rest of us Americans to know that the very nuns that they are mocking and blaspheming, those nuns are the ones who took care of when no one else would touch the AIDS patients. I know I mentioned this before. When no one else, we remember, I'm old enough to remember, when people were afraid to be around an AIDS patient because no one knew whether you could catch it or not. And yet nuns in New York City, in St. Louis, around the country, took these suffering victims in, bathed them, fed them, took them to doctor's appointments, loved them, took care of them, offered them the Eucharist if they so desired so that they could die in whatever peace that the nuns could help them to have. It's quite a story when you read what the religious did to help the AIDS patients when no one else would have anything to do with them. Well, it's a great point to know that. I love it. I love it. I forgot about that. That Pride Night's coming up, and uh, it's tomorrow night at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, they're going to have the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Even the name is uh, is blasphemous, you know, and... um, Wow, it's so it's so horrific that the Dodgers, the Dodgers, that's a New York team, the Brooklyn Dodgers, dodging the trolley cars. I think that's how that came about. Willie Mays is now hanging around with the Sisters of Perpetual uh, Indulgence. It's disgusting. It's a freak show. It shouldn't be happening. And I'm not being uptight, all right? I'm not. I'm a New Yorker, all right? I get it. You know, we can be wild. Things go down. It's okay. But not on the baseball field and not when there are little kids around. Uh, you know, this is a free country. If you want to be blasphemous, you can, I guess, all right? You should really do it on your own, off where we're not looking. But if you really want to make a spectacle of yourself, you can. But do the Dodgers have to be a part of this major league freaking baseball? It is, um, 
It is so sad. But Barbara, you know, as you know, the world is the world is not perfect. I mean, God, it's in the Bible. The world is fallen. The world is broken, right? If we look for salvation in the world, we ain't going to get it. Well, we know that, but we know that we must strive toward that. And by the way, the evening that the Dodgers are having this awful, awful, blasphemous celebration happens to be in the Catholic Church, the day that the Catholic Church every year celebrates the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And so that's a particularly horrible day for them to choose this blasphemy. And whether you're Catholic, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, whatever you are, it doesn't matter. They can choose any religion to persecute, to blaspheme. They, they feel free to choose any religion. America is founded on freedom of religion. America is founded on our right to believe what we choose and to live our life that way. So that when something like this happens, it weakens the entire basis for all the liberties that we have in our country. Oh, yes, indeed. Totally, totally, totally. Look, I know uh, we have to do our part. We have to do the work, but the world's never going to be perfect, and, and, and horrible things have happened and will happen and almost are designed to happen. Fair enough. I mean, this is this is the world for you, and you're not going to get the peace, tranquility, and all that stuff that we're looking for on Earth by... You know, making sure Pride Night goes well in uh, in Dodger Stadium. You know, it's just, uh, anyway, you and I are on the same page, but the more I read, the more I realize that this stuff has been around for a long time. It doesn't mean we just sit back and take it, although I'm wondering what I can do, what I can do practically speaking. You know, it's really a shame that protesting now, ooh, protesting, be careful with protesting. Oh, gosh, you can't go out there and protest, even though it's your constitutional right to peaceably assemble. You can't do that because, oh, January 6th. It all has the odor of January 6th. So unfair. Barbara, thank Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, uh, hey, back to Perry. You were asking about the press conferences, and I've been wondering about that myself. Like, what is the point? Because they go out there and nobody's convinced. And uh, however, I will say this. Number one, there may be a statutory requirement to um, make a have a daily briefing. I'm not sure about that. But look, number one, big picture. Uh, you got a press office, okay? <laughs> no one's going to say we don't need a press office anymore. All right. So those are bodies to uh, be hired and political favors to be done. Uh, so no one's going to get rid of their press office, and so you need that. And number two, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you watch an entire briefing, an entire press briefing, with, and they can last anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour and a half, uh, you can find them all online. You know, they're they're posted. You can find old ones, yesterday's. You can find today's. And they're almost every day. And you listen to the entire thing. Think about it. If you were there, I mean, there there is useful information. I mean, the logistics, uh, uh, where the president is going, uh, stuff that uh, is of interest to people who cover the president on a daily basis, and and they um, they put that information or give that information to their editors. And there is a role to have that. And sometimes they can be interesting if you listen to the whole thing. But the sound bites don't tell the whole story. You know, so there is some valuable information. I've sat through a, several of those briefings myself. I've asked questions, and uh, uh, you can't really necessarily get a, 
cancel them or, or not use them anymore. Anyway, does any of that make sense, Barry? It does, and I think they are legally required. But what I really don't understand is why do so many news programs show excerpts from them when it's basically non-answers? And they play them over and over again just to show how they're not getting answered. I wonder how, you know, like Peter Ducey doesn't, like, lose it when he's trying to ask a question and he's just getting like a wall in front of him. It's just amazing how this process just continues. Well, number one about Peter Ducey, um, he does a fantastic job. Uh, and I quite frankly think that he studied television a lot. His dad was on TV, of course. And a lot of White House reporters over the years, they show up on TV and they babble, 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 babble. Look at how smart I am. 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 And they're talking to their peers. They're talking to other reporters. Ducey is the only guy in a very long time who seems to be talking to an audience, people. Uh, he does it when he's questioning uh, the press secretary, the president, when he's reporting. It's just uh, it's a very effective way of communication. I like it. Very impressive. I'm sure he... His dad, you know, uh, taught him well. So, um, oh, and the other thing is, yeah, look, if you're doing a report for the evening news, you know, you you need a little sound. And sometimes they answer questions. They don't always not answer questions. And, you know, you use sound bites to just uh, almost as decoration, almost as decoration. I know that sounds uh, uh, a little glib or whatever. But when you're putting together a news report for the nighttime show, you don't want to have a reporter droning on and on and on and on and on, no matter who it is, me, Peter Ducey, anybody. You just don't want to – you need you need to hear what people are saying, even if we don't like the answer, even if it's a non-answer, that might be of interest. I mean, for instance, it's informed your opinion that you're getting non-answers in the White House, and we sometimes do. It's nice to hear that out loud every now and then, in my opinion. Hey, real quick, where in Garden City are you? I'm uh, right off of uh, Stewart Avenue. Oh, yeah, we talked before. Where? Butler Place? Where are you? That's right, Butler Place. you got a good memory. Yeah. That a while that, ago. Uh, that, uh, that is one of the nicest blocks in all of the world, actually. It's uh, it's just a really great place. Good for you. Good for you. Well, don't tell us any more information because there are only like five houses on Butler Place, right? Right, yep. yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you, Perry. Um, what else is going on? It's almost time to do the Newsmax show. And... Uh, we had a beautiful, beautiful uh, lunch at uh, Steaks. What? No, I'm not Steaks. What's it? We had Steaks at Sparks. We had Steaks at Sparks Restaurant. Sparks made famous, I think most famous. People still associate uh, associate uh, Sparks with John Gotti. And uh, who did he kill? Paul Castellano. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. All right? I want to underline allegedly. Uh, but that's the rumor. Paul Castellano, Big Paul, got him right in front of that steakhouse. I think about it every time I go by it. And uh, I remember it was the winter of, was it 1985, 1986, 1986, I don't know. And it was December, and I got shot. And I remember he had a brand-new pair of shoes on, and he was under. He was going through a trial. And, uh, oh, wow. Did they ever solve that crime officially? I know they. John Gotti benefited. But I don't think he actually pulled the trigger. I don't think so. Um, how about that? Hey, Victoria Gotti is out there. She's very active in the community. Um, does a great job. Wrote those books. I think she still writes for the New York Post every now and then. That's uh, interesting. And uh, uh, Junior is uh, is doing fine. You know what my big fantasy is? Fantasy. You know what my big wish is? I've told this to Curtis. I've said it out loud. I would love it. 
if there was a um, a come together moment between the Gaudis and Curtis Sliwa. If Curtis could find it in his heart to forgive the Gaudis. And if the Gaudis, I don't know if they were involved or not, but might apologize for a couple of things. You know, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I think it'd be great. I've, I've mentioned it to Curtis. He's like, I'm an Old Testament guy. I'm no eye for an But I think one of these days it would be a beautiful thing. And if he can forgive, hey, it's interesting. Just like they got the Godfather five times. They shot him five times and he didn't die. They shot Curtis five times and he didn't die. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing man, Curtis. All right, so I would love for there to be peace between Curtis and the Gaudis. That'd be great. It's happening. I know people think it's impossible, but anything's possible. All right, tonight, 10 o'clock. Many thanks. I got to run. Bye-bye. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.